Welcome to the Concept 101 podcast. My name is Daniel. Stefan. And Jules. We are three concept artists currently working in the film and games industry, as well as the organizers of the Concept 101 event in London. Before we start, we also have to thank the current sponsors of the Concept 101 2023 event. So a big thank you to Sharp Mob, Chronic Studios, Adam Hawk, Framestorm, Moon Colony, Foster and Partners, Mood Visuals, Rare, Brain Bug, Playground Games, Learn Squared, Artward, Focal Point School, Wacom, Mathematics Studios, and Sharp Corner. Uh, how are you guys doing? Anything exciting happening to you this week? In your lives? Some... Me and Stefan went out for dinner. Oh yeah, that was That fun. was nice. Nice. We yeah. Usually we don't because we live in London and we're scared of losing all our money. Yeah. But we yeah. were going for a walk and we saw this nice taco place. Ooh, yeah. we got tacos. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah tacos is great. We decided that we want to not go to the same restaurant over and over again. Yeah, so we should try like well, different Where do you guys go usually? Rudy's. Rudy's oh. is like the... Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, pizza we place. always yeah. go to Rudy's. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is the best piece in London, yeah. easy. Yeah, and also this week we haven't, because usually we met on, on a specific day for the event stuff, which yeah. we haven't because of recording the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, food's great, eh? You know, what can I say? Uh, and does that tie into anybody's subject matter? Well, it ties to that where you're going to have an exclusive moment in this podcast, which is going to be a food break because... Oh, yeah, we're going to go eat lunch. Yeah. We're going to go eat lunch. So at some point you'll have a nice... Uh, lunch break <laughs> with us with us, in with fact, us with us yeah the food will be it's probably gonna last to two seconds for you but for us it's gonna last yeah we'll just eat more. it into the microphone yeah right? we'll I'm not gonna do it I was thinking <laughs> I, I eat food in two seconds yeah oh yeah so, talking about food movies have food in them and Stefan's got something to say about Lord of the Rings, which yeah. is a film and a film why, with food. Yeah. Why do they get angry? Because someone ate all the food at some point, and so yeah. they get angry. That's not how Lord of you what? Nah. You haven't what? I haven't watched it. So we all no. gonna spend two seconds to shame Daniel at the moment. Oh, I <laughs> watched it. We no, watch it. I mean, I think I watched it when I was very young. I found it very boring, oh, and I just never bothered watching it you again. Rewatch it. Trust me. I mean, I it wouldn't be rewatching. I would just be watch watching it. it. Yeah. I don't. I've okay, rewatched we should, it. Like we should meet and just watch them. Or well, not Isn't all of them because we're gonna kill ourselves. Isn't like a whole day. It's of very long. Stuff. If, if yeah, all of them, we, it's a whole day. Yeah, we we, like we can do a week. We hour. work on the events and then we we watch. And the we need to movie. watch the extended versions. No. Okay. Well, that's good. no. That's too long. I mean, they're good, but it's too. It's very long. We're yeah. not watching the extended. I've watched them twice. Oh, I've watched them countless. Oh yeah, 10, 20 Like when I was a kid, I was obsessed. Obsessed. You're such nerds. All right, so... <laughs> I haven't watched them in a very long time, though. Lord of the Rings, that's a revelation. Um, Lord of the Rings, very interesting movie. Uh, they do have food, in fact. You know, the first <laughs> breakfast, second breakfast, all that good Turns stuff. Turns humans yeah, eat. Yeah. Potatoes, you boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Do you get to the subject? Right. <laughs> so the subject is that if, if you watch the movie and you like it, it would be worth watching behind the scenes of mm. uh, Lord of the Rings and, like, making of Lord of the Rings. And they have this for all the movies. They have it for The Hobbits as well. Uh, and it's quite inspiring. And there is always snippets about the concept art and like how that was done. And then the sets and how the sets were built. And I think those are the things that are very, very inspiring to see for concept artists. So uh, is that, would it be fair to say that what you're talking about is inspiration yes it Great. is an inspiration so just it's, wanted to cap that with a title for this yeah, section yeah. <laughs> so yes so it would be inspiration or where to look for it outside of the mainstream like go buy an art book or go watch a movie but just going a little bit beyond that and looking up you know the behind the scenes um of whatever movie you enjoy so I was uh, working recently and I was kind of lazy. Not lazy, that's the wrong, wrong word. I was bored. There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Come on, that happens to everyone when you work. And even if it's a fun subject, sometimes you just get bored and you need to listen to something. And as I was drawing, I listened to like a 40-minute snippet on YouTube that like kind of just had the concept art of like the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings. Nice. Uh, and it was, you know, Alan Lee... And the other concept artist, uh, forgot the name. There was more Gandalf than the there was more. There was more than just Alan Lee working Lord of the Rings. The famous concept um, artist Gimli. And it was them talking about you know their process, and they are all very they are like traditional artists, and they they kind of both were illustrators initially, mm -hmm. and they were the, they were like 
two very famous Tolkien illustrators, and their their works were the most regarded. And then there was actually a third one who unfortunately decided not to work on a movie, but I think his work was still a good inspiration mm-hmm. for it. And basically, these guys, they were just, you know, Peter Jackson just had them come in, and they worked for like 10 years, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a concept team. 10 on, years? I think so. I think it was oh. a long time because of like the sets and stuff. It's over, you know, the three movies, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, and they they worked on them, and you know, it was amazing to see their sketches, you know, because it's all traditional. Uh, I think later on in The Hobbits, maybe some of it was digital. I don't know if these guys specifically did the digital drawings, um, but yeah, it was very, very cool to see and the designs that they did. And I, yeah, so I was watching this, you know, whilst doing uh, some some drawing and I was kind of just enjoying the moment, being mm-hmm. like, wow, what an amazing job and how amazing, I, so how amazing it is that someone created movie like Lord of the Rings and they they hired artists and those artists had this incredible experience of creating you know the sets for like Hobbiton and um, I mean those are like physical sets and like even the forests and things like that that they would build in the studio in the back lot which was really amazing uh, to see so yeah my you know my point would be um, you know go check them out if you haven't seen it mm-hmm. you know and see see I, I know an artist who watches this like once a year just for an inspiration mm. just to be like wow this is amazing that it's been created it's, it's true it's, there's something that we kind of lost with going fully dig- like you know now you go on, on Disney Plus and you just watch something and that's it but back in the day back in the day when you would buy like a Blu-ray or a DVD you would have like 10 hours of backstage stuff and like documentaries and stuff yeah I guess it was think, more of a thing back I then. mean you I think you still have them now, but only DVD. Mm-hmm. But turns I, out that I don't know for you, but I haven't bought a DVD in ages. I think right. the thing is that with Even. modern films, they are because a lot of these studios have become, you know, like monopolies, like functional monopolies. Mm-hmm. They're a lot more kind of careful about the way that they're perceived. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've watched like behind the scenes for like stuff that I've worked on. And they're like, and everything was perfect. Nothing ever went wrong. The director was a genius. The producer was a genius. And it was all cool. And of course, you know, having worked on those films and seen the productions, like, it's not the case. There was loads of really interesting choices that were made. There were loads of very interesting discussions that were made. But the problem is that they don't want to be, like, front and center with the interesting stuff. So, you know, even I think a lot of people probably think, like, oh, because it's the day and age of VFX where they're not building stuff anymore. Like, oh, everything's so boring now. But the technical stuff and like the level of thinking that vfx supervisors have to go into to make vfx work is incredibly interesting and like they still do set builds it's just that set builds have changed you know Mm -hmm. i think one of the things is i think it's really disappointing that a lot of you know when you get like those interviews with like actors and they're like yeah so i went on set and i stood in front of green screen like you know green screen whatever and it's like there's so much more technicality that goes into it than that, but yeah. they just don't have the passionate people talking about how that mm. works. You yeah. know, if it was as simple as just like going in front of a green screen, then you wouldn't have a whole industry built out of it and you wouldn't have people who specialize in these things. And there's so much awesome stuff, but it's just not on screen mm. in behind the scenes. Also, it's certain projects are on different levels of the spectrum. Some some projects are like extremely green screen, some are like a bit of a clever in between. Yeah. Some are like volume. It, it just varies, right? Um, but I do agree that watching documentaries or watching how things are made or listening to it is very interesting. Mm. I, I Not really concept art related, but I had uh, watched the documentary about the first God of War. Yeah. The, re- the reboot, right? The, yeah. That's and, a really great And it's amazing. And it goes through like, uh, is it Cory Balog? Uh, the guy who... Kerry Balrog. Is it, uh, <laughs> is it the one where he, where, he, where he has in, like the little uh, baby carrying thing? And I think cra- so. Kratos there. In, 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 I, think. I think. I watched it a while, while ago. But yeah. that was amazing, right? And yeah. also the, the B or the music of that game is insane. Um, but the reason that documentary is so great is because it's a very like warts and all look at the process. Yeah. The, you, there are videos of the directors just like straight up arguing with each other and yeah. being like, you're wrong. You're wrong, dude. We can't do this. And it's like, that's what I think people really resonate with yeah. when they watch those kind of making of documentaries is the drama of making something yeah. right just a yeah because if you just say oh, everything is so easy it's all flowers we never argue it's all then it's like okay you're mr perfect and uh okay yeah. but if you say oh yeah it's hard it was very like 
if you, I, I guess not necessarily saying it's hard, but seeing what happens. Like and, we, and you have to put in being, effort. Being genuine, yeah. also people identify, I guess, more. Yeah. And if you are doing a task, looking at people, I guess, doing tasks or going through things that might be similar or going through things that kind of inspire you. Yeah. It just, at least for me, it makes me more productive or it motivates me. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like seeing people doing things or I really like people doing an entrepreneur, entrepreneur stuff or getting better at skills. It kind of motivates me to... That, that's more of a model to me than just being a good artist, for example. Yeah. It's like doing things, being good at it and succeeding at it. I think if you want to look at an example of a really great documentary, which is heavily based around CGI, the Star Wars documentaries from the, the prequel trilogy are awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really cool, especially like the Phantom Menace one, like watching them pioneering new techniques um, and, and them actually showing and like talking technically about how that stuff worked. Like that's all extremely interesting. And it's also great seeing like George Lucas, I think has always been uh, a fairly interesting director because of how straightforward he is a lot of the time with what he's doing and his mistakes and stuff. Like if you go and watch the Phantom Menace documentary, there's a very well-known moment where he sits down uh, to watch the director's cut with Steven Spielberg and they film them watching it. And you can see Steven Spielberg's like reactions as he's watching the film and the lights come up, you know, and they've watched the whole thing and you hear the da 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 as it ends. And George Lucas like kind of puts his heads in his hands and he goes, I, I think we might've gone too far in some places. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know, it's like that kind of like, I don't know, like honesty mm. is what makes it really interesting. Like oh, yeah. One of my favorite documentaries for filmmaking is the abyss. Uh, which is so good because of the level of intensity and drama that came with actually creating those sets and filming them. Multiple people like nearly drowned. Um, you know, they were making this incredibly... Tight deadline. Yeah, it's very tight deadline. They were working nights. The the chlorine in the... They, they filled up an old nuclear water silo so that the, it was big enough for them to film all the underwater yeah, scenes yeah, in. And, and they put the, yeah, and they put the tarp on top yeah. and then the tarp ripped off during the winter and the water evacuated and, you know, there was too much chlorine in the water so people were, like, getting their skin burnt when they were filming underwater. And it's just, like, I think like that's Like, all the hair was cool. falling out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, so many, there's so many crazy stories about some movies and it's very interesting to look yeah. into, it, into them like or look at uh, interesting. You know that in Titanic... Yeah, they built a real scale maquettes of Disney. Oh, James Cameron coming up again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he was working with historians to see which. Um, basically, they 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 work they they built it right. Yeah, it's all perfect. It's three matching and all that until they realize. Oh wait, he didn't go from he didn't leave from left to right of the arbor. He left from right to left of the arbor. Okay. So then James Cameron or whoever was like. Okay, that doesn't work. So we're gonna invert the shot. We're gonna film it and invert it. But you have a full scale maquette with props and text everywhere that you're gonna invert. So it means that it's not gonna be written Titanic. It's gonna be written whatever is is inverted. Yeah. So they had to print all the costumes. They had to make all the props with the inverted letters. That's awesome. <laughs> so when you film it, it doesn't make any sense. But when you invert the the film, yeah, it it works. And that's insane. They yeah, they yeah. built like probably one of the most expensive maquettes ever. I don't know. It's like real scale Titanic uh, yeah. side of it, right? So that's when he leaves the arbor. And <laughs> then they had to change all the text for the whole set yeah, yeah. and all the costumes. I think, I think the reason ultimately that all of this stuff is really interesting to us is because it relates to our job. And it's also, uh, I think it's really great to get a better understanding of what the job entails beyond what you do. Like we've spoken quite a few times about, you know, just like, the co- what happens to your concept after it goes through and how mm-hmm. different people work on it and all this stuff. And I think that's why these documentaries are so great because it gives you a deeper understanding of what goes into yeah. filmmaking or what goes into making a game or whatever it may be. And you can project yourself. Yeah, into yeah. It. So they're amazing resources for people who want to learn about the industry because when you go into a film studio and they say, okay, we needed to design a set, um, but this has all got to be green screen. You're not sitting there and going, why? Why has it got to be green screen? You, you already know, you know, because you have a vague understanding of the process. And of course, it's not like these documentaries are going to be a perfect understanding, but they will help you kind of come to certain realizations yeah. about the industry, which is invaluable. Yeah. You can, you can also go to, sometimes they allow you to go to some of these sets 
kind of like for example Harry Potter has like a big ass uh, Disney thing mm-hmm. in um, that's right outside of London um, I'm sure if you're a Harry Potter fan you've been there but I've they been. yeah I've been there twice uh, um, it's really cool yeah I've been just, to the one in America it, in Orlando oh I don't know how much cooler is that one. Well, this one is quite big. It's quite large. It's like two hours of just walking. It's like the physical. Sets. It's the actual sets. Yeah, so ah, it's, yeah. it's no, yeah. The they have the, No, they have, they have they have sets. All the sets that they used, or all a lot of the sets they used for the movies, including like even the the forest and stuff. Oh, wow, or, very cool. Uh, not all the forest, but some of the forest, you know, and and yeah, it's just incredible to see all the things, you know, like that mechanical door that they had in Harry Potter in the Green Gods Bank, you know, that's built, functioning, actually working. In there you can see, like, the things clicking. Actually, I don't know if it's still functioning now, because I think last time I went there they said, like, oh, it's maybe broken down or something. But but it is really cool to see all these sets and um, things that have been built. And maybe it inspires you to go on a, wanna go on a set and mm-hmm. work on there, rather than, like, being a concept artist that works, like, for kind of VFX companies. Because yeah. uh, that's a different To be fair, job. that's... Um that's not necessarily a choice, right? Like, you have to kind of work your way up yeah, to I working on set. Yeah, I guess that is right, yeah. It's not like something, like, most people aren't like, I started on set as art mm. department. It's like, uh, no, that's probably yeah, also, not happen. Yeah. Unless you're an architect, it's, like, in some... It's sometimes a good way maybe. to... Yeah, you're not concept artist. You are not, yeah. but you could work your way from... Yeah. Con- I mean, yeah. I could work as a food guy on set as yeah. well. It's not quite the same thing. Okay. But, yeah, also, it's, I, guess, I think it might be a good way to understand what each role does. Mm. I mean, they tend to ask the leaders rather than those small hands in documentaries, but still, it's, it's a good way to understand that if you work on set as a concept artist, you have to go there and maybe you have a family or maybe you live somewhere and you don't want to go another side of the world to work on a specific set, you know. I think people that work on set have a very different lifestyle yes. than, than what we do at the moment. Um, and it's a good way to understand all that or maybe at least to feel like you understand it or, or peek into it. There's a there's a documentary which I haven't watched, but I have heard great stuff about it. It's about uh, Xbox, and right. it's about how they made it. And it's like a many-episode documentary on YouTube. And apparently it's very, very good, because it goes through the whole history of how they created the Xbox. And apparently it was... Well, apparently, the console. Yeah, and apparently it really shows a lot of hustle and trouble that they went into. <laughs> apparently it was very hard. Um, so I know I'm going to watch it soon, and yeah. probably you should do as well. Yeah, I haven't even. Don't the, tell me what to do. The the God of War one, I only seen like beginning of it, but now that you mention it again, I think I'll rewatch it. Yeah, I've, or rewatch it. I've actually, got, I got it. great memory of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. It's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. Abyss one is also on YouTube. I need to watch yeah. that. It seems good. I I made Stefan watch that one. <laughs> mm, uh, didn't I? Did you? I, no, I, did. I think I watched it before you, and then we rewatched it together. It's great. Was it before? It's after amazing. We pulled out the gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's amazing to just see it. and it gives you a perspective into James Cameron and how he used mm. to work apparently it's a little bit different now but yeah I mean he's he's clearly a crazy man but he you know it's I funny, mean I don't like, think you get to get into yeah. this position and get such of a it's, that's heavy not true art there's, there, there's nice directors out there yes but you, yeah I don't think you have sure. to be mean no, to succeed in life no but you need I guess he, he creates some of the most... I, I don't know. For example, Avatar. I don't see whom... I think it's very something that he he, he did because of how maybe strong-minded or... I don't know. Maybe I, not. I, maybe I always I, thought, you know, Quentin Tarantino would have done a great Avatar. He <laughs> <laughs> really seems like his type of movie. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, yeah. Anyway, point being, you know, I, I, I think just coming back to what we were talking about at the start is like, there's all these amazing films out there, but, you know, don't necessarily be one of those people who like fantasizes about the past you know there's so much cool stuff still Mm. happening in filmmaking every day there's so much cool tech being made and i don't think filmmaking has become less cool i don't think it's become less interesting i think it's just changed and i think the position of the companies that get that get to show off that stuff has changed as well probably already all know this but who knows corridor crew the channel they i don't agree with everything they do but they have a they have a show where they analyze shots but they do bring a very, I think, healthy excitement about the industry and about trying to guess how things is made. And sometimes they have very good guests as well, which explain stuff. Then it's very valuable to keep a happy and young and uh, eye on the industry. Yeah. Especially this show. There's a much better one than Corridor ah. Digital that I like called Fame Focus, which is 
really good. And they do they've done VFX breakdowns yeah. on on movies that I've worked on yeah. and accurately broken oh, nice. down how it's done. And I'm like, you know, it's like well, those things where like when I've actually seen it on the movie that I've worked mm-hmm. on, I'm, I'm like, okay, these guys actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. Whereas with Corridor Digital, yeah, I have good. seen them, same thing, like doing breakdowns on films that I might mm-hmm. have worked on or like films I've seen showreels for. And I know that's not how it's done. Yeah. So I, I would say that Fame Focus does much yeah. more... Fame Focus or Frame Focus? Fame Focus. It's oh, like okay. a little, it's a guy in like a green suit. Um, and they have like stupid little short videos. I think but the I actual, have seen it, yeah. Yeah, the full videos they make yeah. are great. And they put a lot more effort into finding like interviews from the VFX supervisors to figure out how stuff was broken down. They use actual show reels from the companies to figure out how it's broken down and all this stuff. Yeah. So I think they're great. And on that, the food is here. Bye. And we're back. Hey. Uh, lunch was pretty good. We had bao. Yeah. Delicious. And chips, which was weird. Yeah, it was a weird combination. I didn't like that combination. It wasn't menu. We didn't choose it. You didn't it. like it? I like the combination. I, mean, I like the bao. Bao were, were very good. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But I, if I would to mix food together, I wouldn't choose bao and fries. Yeah. There was a really nice cauliflower yeah. fried thing we had yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, did you eat in two seconds? What did you eat, guys? (laughs) Tell us. (laughs) Tell us in the comments what you like to eat. Did you have a sip of water, maybe? Talking about um, chips. Chips, those look a lot like pencils. You know what I want to talk about today? Um, The importance of traditional art in the process. Um, What a smooth segue, man. Wow. Yeah, that was a really good one. Thank you. Um... Uh, sorry, <laughs> Ste- Stefan just started playing a Instagram video. <laughs> He's really paying attention here, folks. That's that's the the, the food has effect. Oh, it started to play as I put my phone away. By the way, mm, so, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's your phone's fault. Yeah, traditional art. Traditional art is a great thing. I think um, you know, as part of a, a lot of the culture around concept art is obviously digital, um, and that can be a very kind of interesting thing to deal with especially since most people when they're growing up are mainly dealing with um traditional artwork right like that's how you start that's the easy impetus to like get into art is you're given a coloring book as a kid maybe that's changed now because i guess kids have ipads and stuff but ah uh, yeah, yeah but like unless your parents uh, specifically are okay with you having tablets and like yeah, that's that's early that's in age yeah. i think most sorry i'm far away from the mic i think most kids start with pen and paper, I mean, yeah. even at school, you know. Even but th- that's the thing is like you know, especially when you're yeah, you're growing up, you're at school, you are doing a lot of traditional art because that's almost like the status quo. And as you maybe get more serious about your concept art career, you do less and less and less. It I find. Um, and one of the great things that I found, I had quite you know, I think we've spoken about it before. I spent quite a lot of my kind of like formative years doing traditional art, learning digital as well, but doing like oil paintings, acrylics, gouache, watercolor, all this stuff, and. Over the last year, it's something I've really kind of like rediscovered an enjoyment for. Um, I think it's one of those things which, uh, if implemented correctly, just like into your life, can really uh, add a lot of depth to your kind of artistic creation process, you Mm -hmm. know, and also take your eyes off the screen, which is also really important. You know, if I mean, I often have like the urge to go and be creative but I've just stared at a fucking PC screen for like eight hours already that day. And I'm like, ah, you know what would be nice? Go downstairs, mm-hmm. set up some paints at the table and just paint and relax and do that instead. Well, yeah, also, also it kind of forces you to change where you do art. Yeah. Which is good. Or even like, you know, if, I mean, even on the iPad, I know it's not physical, yeah. but it helps a bit because totally. you, you're in a different, different position when you draw, I guess. You're not work mode on your desk can be in bed or whatever i mean depending how big your flat is (laughs) but it's quite nice yeah i find it quite very helpful to do traditional art even now later on uh, especially now uh because it's like an easy way to help progress your own like digital art it's like if you can do it in traditional it is always going to improve your digital i guess it works kind of vice versa of course if you can paint digitally you probably will be able to paint traditionally but you know especially with sketching and things like that it's it's very useful 
to do it uh, traditionally. And also you don't have as many options to change things and erase. So I find like design process specifically, and that's why I'm trying to learn how to design traditionally. I find that my design process, I just have like lots of bad habits from, from you know, the years of doing this uh, almost like the wrong way. With, with control Z. Yeah, with control, yeah. With control Z and with uh, being able to erase into things and overlay photos over things. You know, I, I feel like my brain is just so used to this very messy and experimental workflow where I don't really get to, like I so much look into these happy accidents that I almost forgot how to design, you know, mm -hmm. by myself and do some, an iteration that I want to do, right? So you, you you kind of feel like you haven't developed the idea, the intentional design Exactly, almost. the intentional design where I go, okay, what if it has a big thing on its back? Let's say, I don't know, I design a mosquito with a special... A backpack. Backpack, yeah. <laughs> what, if it has a, what if it looks a, like a square shape? If I was doing in Photoshop, sometimes I would start drawing a square, be like, oh, I can't draw a square, fuck it, let's do a circle, you know? Mm. But traditional kind of forces me to draw the square and look at it, be like, oh, okay, I see it now, and then move on. Yeah. Or like, how or can like, I fix this? Or I can oh, I okay, exactly. This? Uh, it just forces you to, to kind of stay in the moment and explore the designs better. You, you, know? have, you have to commit with stuff, and it can be awful or it can lead to good stuff. So if yeah. you make a mistake, sometimes you're like, you come up with a good solution, which you would have never come up if you just control Z that mistake. Yes, totally. I, I think it's really valuable. I mean, obviously, you know, there's like, you can use pencil and an eraser, right, to have more control over your process. But I think it is really great to know almost like there's a finite amount of stuff that you can do with it. Like, you know, understanding that even with a pencil and paper, there's only so many times that you can erase and redraw over something, right? Mm. Um, and I think that really often helps people like Stefan was almost saying like deal with intentionality with what they're doing because uh even in terms of just like line art and stuff like that I think it's a really great thing to be able to learn to do line art traditionally and then understand which is more tactile right it has like more to do with the actual like motor neurons and stuff like that and then that translates really really clearly into digital um uh, you know, it's the same with a lot of stuff. Like if you do, um, if you're, if you can learn to paint with gouache and you can mix color properly, and you un, you know, you have to have a better understanding of color theory, because you can't put a photo into the frame, blur it, and then like pick the colors on the yeah, photo totally. or something, right? Mm -hmm. So, it, it's that thing of like, I think it really can help benefit people because it changes the mode of thinking, and I, I think that's where the benefits come in. It's like when you have to switch up the direction of your brain, figure out a new way to create something that maybe prior to that you've been mm -hmm. like, oh, this is easy. Um, and yeah, just, just trying new stuff, I think, experimenting essentially. Also, it's, there is a, f a very clear, or like a clearer, there's a clear, clearer, final, final, whoa, mm. English. There's a, there's a much clearer final state of traditional painting, let's say. Sure. It's easier to say that's finished or like a sketch is finished because it's just a sketch. On, on digital, it's much harder to know when something is finished or it's harder to commit with something. Um, and I feel like if you do a lot of traditional, you might be like, okay, I'm content with this. Hmm. I'm done. Or, okay, I'm going with this idea and it's done. It's probably was a bad idea, but I'm going into it for a new one. With Photoshop, it's much more, it's a constant try and error but you'd never finish it you know if it forces sorry it forces your repetition uh, mm -hmm. as well like you know if you do a painting traditionally you have to do like a little painting of it and you paint it up and be like okay these colors are okay but i want to try it again and you have to restart the process and this restarting of the process makes you learn the process more um, same as sketching, like you just sketch an animal and then you want to do the same design again. Well, you have to sketch it again. You can't just duplicate it, but it makes you look at it even more. It makes you look at the the flow of it even more. It's, it is not that fun to redraw things 10 times, but you learn it. So I think there's a benefit to it. So what type of traditional art do you guys use, like in terms of weekly or monthly let's say uh, i guess daily might be a bit of a stretch i think i sketch in my sketchbook every week for sure yeah. with usually with inks i'm not i'm not really that into pencils for some mm -hmm. reason i think i like the i think i find um 
using inks, kind of meditative, meditative, whatever you, however you say that. It's like meditation. That's, you know, I'll phrase it a different way. Um, because when you buy a really nice ink pen, it glides across the page mm-hmm. and it's really effortless. And I find it really just kind of like chill time to just like let my brain free flow onto mm-hmm. the page and just like see what comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I use the most regularly. Then, you know, I do do pencil drawings. I have like some sketches in my sketchbook which are closer to like almost illustrations where i've done like an under under sketch and i erase it and do things on the top and blah and then as often as i can i I try to do um gouache quite a lot uh because i think it's really beneficial again for like learning how to Mm -hmm. paint properly um however that's quite a big time sink the reason i like gouache is because out of all of the paints it's the smallest time sink it dries very quickly Yeah, yeah um you don't have to use that much paint the paints themselves aren't as expensive as like oils and it's you quite, just have to use water and it's easy to clean it's quite easy to mix as well though no? i don't mean all paints are easy to mix i think yeah <laughs> it's rock hard yeah uh, i think your pet your paint might have gone out of date yeah yeah, uh, yeah yeah that's how much i use it what about you Steph? Um, I I mostly use sketchbook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't unfortunately don't have much um, experience in traditional painting. And the experience that I did have, there was a moment in like for like two or three weeks maybe that I was like doing some traditional paintings, and most of it was like I already did a painting of something, like a study of something, and then I would because there I already simplified everything, then I would just redraw it. And then do a study of that study, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but that way it, I didn't have to kind of simplify it and, mm-hmm. you know, figure out the colors amongst the, you know, because uh, when yes. it's simplified, it's just like you. Avoiding the difficult part. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I did the difficult part in Photoshop and then I was just kind of learning how to color mix. And even then, then me, that me and Daniel went, I went to his place ages ago and we both try, started to do like a gouache painting. Was it gouache? Yeah. And, and, I, I, and Daniel had like a good process. so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had, my process was just like to paint it and then like keep painting it until I get the color right. Until it's and, black. And, and, <laughs> and then just keep, keep changing things until, I, yeah. I have some training in like traditional art and it was deeply frustrating watching Stefan tell me, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> Whilst he has no experience painting. <laughs> Here I was trying to help. Start with the wash, Stefan. Start with the lighter colors. No. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I'm great. more than happy to learn it again, I think, properly. But um, it's should, just, we it is takes time, yeah. You're like, we, you know, we, we, we do some challenges and we're like, oh yeah, one day we all do gouache and yeah. we, we talk it through and... And you can show us how well you paint and how both of us can paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In real life, I haven't painted in I did paint a lot when I was younger for portfolios and reasons and stuff. Yeah. But now I haven't painted in real, I don't know, like six years, maybe more, maybe less. Well, I, I've expressed it to you guys many times outside of the podcast, but like one of my big dream projects to do is to do a concept art project in gouache, kind mm-hmm. of like old mm-hmm. style. Um, whether that ever happens is uh, another question, but I would love to do that one day. It's definitely one of my like goals at least to do like a small project even if it's just like a few images which you know plan them in digital get some roughs and then do the finals in gouache because i think one of the really nice things that we forget about traditional art is um you know stefan mentions a lot on the podcast how he really wants his work printed out on the wall and i think printouts of digital art are nice but i really don't think there's for some reason and i don't know why seeing a physically painted piece of work is so it's just a different experience well yeah yeah, yeah. but that's because there's there's um there's a physical craft in it and I, and seeing something printed yeah you don't have it's you less i mean i'm not saying digital painting is easy it's very hard i mean that's what we try to achieve all to be good at yeah. right <laughs> but digital painting has a lot of shortcuts which mm. are much more time consuming and hard to do with real digital with real painting yeah which is like color picking or waiting for it to dry or erasing mm. or flipping, flipping the canvas yeah but photos even... perspective 3d all that and yeah. and so seeing someone who takes the time to make it real or actually i, th- I think everything that's human made yeah in real life an object has more value right so if you print it the image itself is good but the print of it has a really little value in terms of craft because it's been made by think, a... I think there's almost like a metaphysical aspect to it for me. Mm. I, I think when I see a painting, 
that is a one of one uh, there's there's just something else about it i've seen paintings even like there's certain painting techniques where you can get the um like if you look at a lot of james jean's paintings they have a extremely thin finish so they almost look like prints it's almost unbelievable mm. to look at them and be like oh wow this was actually painted because of how smooth his application of the paint is but even then there's just something so wonderful about it that yeah. isn't you know that is not the same as a print it, it, i don't know it's just something different yeah they're still painting can yeah. just it just doesn't look as good. even even if the painting that you are seeing it would be just compared to the, its own digital counterpart it's just not the same there's something special about a physical i mean painting. i went i went uh, recently to uh the uh, something Royal Albert, I think. The Royal Albert Muse- Hall? No, museum. No, no, no. It's like some museum what do you mean in Boston. Victoria and Al- Oh, in Boston. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> no, no, in Boston, and it was like this private collection of uh, museum things, like artwork and whatever. And there was a piece there by Thorn, I believe, and it was about dance. It was like. A, lady in a oh, I think white dress or something dancing and then there are like musicians in the in the background playing yeah, instruments yeah, yeah. and stuff and having these like expressions like enjoying the music you could really feel it and I was stood it was big ass painting as well not not like as big as Jules was it as big as Jules <laughs> it was as big as Jules no it, I, I was gonna say it's not as I'm, big as I'm, I'm the scale um as Jacques-Louis David's paintings but this painting was also big and how many just, how many jewels is a Jacques Davy painting? Oh, dude, it's like four jewels. Four jewels, okay. Four and so, five. how many was of, of this the height or like am, am I laying or am I? Yeah, no, how just, how many jewels high and how many jewels across? Ja, jewels four times and five times uh, length. Uh, but this painting was like only jewels. What? This Jacques Louis David's painting, like you know the one of Napoleon, like walking like. So it's five times my height. It's a big painting. I I, I think it's almost. Maybe not five times. You never seen a painting that big? It's you missed it out. It's humongous, man. <laughs> Every painting I've seen in my life, it's more than me. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, and then so, uh, but it's still maybe like two and a half meters by three meters or three and a half meters. You know this one yeah. that I'm seeing, and I almost like got like emotional, almost mm-hmm. like cried, like looking at this painting. And you don't really experience that looking at a digital painting. But you can definitely experience it like real paintings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just sit there and you kind of like in yeah. awe yeah. of this, this masterpiece. Also, museums have often a very nice space around Yeah, it. the ambience. The lighting, so the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the sound, I mean, the silence most of the time. I think the closest that I've experienced like something feeling towards a painting was when I was like looking through Alexander Mandzijev's work. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen other paintings. I was like, this is super cool. But... Specifically with Alex's work, I I would look at it and be like, yeah, this is this is evoking yeah. certain emotions for sure, like whether it's fear or to- ha- terror, since that's I think his favorite subjects. But yeah, yeah. Like, overall, I, I I just think it's um traditional is a great thing to get into because it lets you practice being an artist whilst also not engaging in a lot of the very damaging things about our profession, which is burning your eyes out on a fucking computer monitor mm. every day sitting at the same desk every day um you know you you can do i mean even if you can go it's a great excuse to go outside even go to a museum go sit in the park and paint the fucking view whatever but just it's a it's a reason to do something different and to keep learning at the same time which is often a concern that a lot of students have right is they're like oh if i if i'm not learning like every hour of the day then i'm screwed and it's like well okay you can this is a great way to <clears throat> relax and learn potentially and once again it's something that's easy not to do it takes effort to do it but i think it's worth the effort because of all totally. the reason you just said yeah um talking about traditional art yeah i sometimes don't do it because <laughs> because yeah i have an ipad oh wow which is one of the best things to sketch in my opinion yeah after of course a sketchbook but it brings us to our, <laughs> it brings us to our next subject which is ipad and and softwares of ipad and all the tools we use because be, believe it or not before i actually go into photoshop or before i got my first job i, I did most of my work in the ipad which i don't think is a good thing to do uh, I was about to say you could get advertised by like Procreate, yeah. and then you went, but it's bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I yeah, do whatever you have the money for, I guess. Um, 
but with with Photoshop, you can work much more professionally, especially for the movie industry, I'd say. And also, it's you like, have a direct link because it's on your PC, so you have the 3D. Free? No. Procreate is like seven pounds, eight pounds, and you have it for well, life. It's a bit more than that now. It's a bit okay, ten. Okay. Yeah, a month. Not more than twenty. No, no. I'm pretty the sure. One-time payments. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's why it's really. Amazing. What the? And heck all the Photoshop brushes yeah. they work on the iPad as well. Yeah. And so basically, I I really 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 enjoy the iPad. I use it not as much now, but because you can, you know, every time I would go on holiday, I would get my iPad. Every time I I would go on the train, I get my iPad. Every time, like every time I want to sketch, I just have my iPad, which is nice. <laughs> I see. I was with Jules with this, and I was like, I I also got an iPad recently, and I was like, oh, I had this very romantic idea about bringing it with me everywhere, and then <laughs> we went to a museum for a sketching trip as part of one. Oh of yeah, and I had my Apple Pen, and we were in the Victorian Albert Museum, which is an incredibly old mm-hmm. museum, and all of the floors are stone, solid stone, and I slipped the pen out of my hand, and it fell straight onto the tip of the pen and it just flattened (laughs) all of the pressure was exerted in like one direction and then i was like oh that's bad but i didn't think i've dropped the pencil before so i didn't think it was a big deal and then i picked it back up and the whole fucking tip of it was just eradicated and i tried to use it on the ipad didn't work and i was like i'm never bringing this (laughs) i was was excruciatingly angry about it for the rest of the day so i yeah, for example, you know, for that for that meetup, I brought my sketchbook on my iPad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's good to know when to use each other, uh, each other, no, yeah, each of the tools, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and the the iPad really scratched the the. I want to make something digital and something where I can iterate quickly, uh, make but mistakes. I can lie in bed while I do it. Yeah, I can lie in bed while I do it. I can just uh, maybe have my references on another window on the iPad, or I can just go and use some three D on the iPad as well, or or just have an infinite canvas with the app called canvas which is great um so yeah it's just an amazing tool and i think it's if i had if if you have a uh, if you don't have to worry too much about the money and you have to get a tool which is an extra tool on top of your pc i think the ipad is great i have a question yes do you think if you're trying to get into concept art then ipad is worthwhile but also when are the time frames of like it being useful and not useful? Because I think if you were just trying to get into it and you're like trying to do your first forays into learning about art and learning about digital art, it's an amazing tool. But I think once you hit a certain point of having to start mm-hmm. being more professional, it becomes useless again. And then once you go past the certain point of being professional, it becomes useful again. Yeah, you know totally. I mean? totally. Yeah. Um, also, I think it depends how much you rely on other softwares. If yeah. you're just a digital painting guy, you don't want 3D. You don't want to use photo bashing. You're like just 2D guy. Yeah, if you're a much better artist than us. Yeah. Then I think <laughs> I think you can do everything with the iPad easy. Easy because it's just different brushes, but all the functionalities are here. Some stuff even there are better in Photoshop. I, I, I will say I think the brushes are actually worse personally, but I found some brushes yeah, but, I like, but, but I you think can the, make the brushes yourself and or change them or <laughs> buy new ones. There's some very particular things I don't like. Like I don't like how it in Photoshop I can tilt the brush more easily. Uh, with the brush menu so I just have my brush menu up in the mm-hmm. side and then I can rotate the brush into yeah. different directions the fact that that isn't in Procreate and that the fact that that wasn't included in the Apple Pencil shocking to me honestly mm-hmm. considering how they're always like oh Apple and we make the most you realistic the, products and stuff you have tilt in the Apple uh, but not like not like an art pen on a Wacom do you know what I mean where like you can twist it in your fingers and it will change the direction oh, of the tip of the brush yeah. it's so funny I, because I never even I never ever use that technique I would love to have a pro, like, like an art pen Honestly, yeah. Art Pen Pro. Uh, yeah, I think it would be well, game changing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, I wish Apple. I mean, I wish it was another brand doing it because it would be <laughs> easier for people to make their own accessories, yeah. which work perfectly. Um, but it turns out that I think the apps, most importantly, and the hardware of the iPad just is so much further in terms of technology than what's the competition yeah. out there. So I would really tell people to buy an iPad. So, but yeah, so, but. If people are starting out, should they get one? Uh, if you're only 2D and you don't give a, and, and, and you, that's it, well, why not? Yeah. And, and, you know, like if you have 500 bucks and that's all you have and you don't have a PC, well, yeah, maybe the iPad is good, you know? Yeah. Because you have a tablet, since you have a Cintiq, it has a good battery, it has a decent pen, and you have a lot of software which are very low cost and there's no membership. I mean, it's hard. 
hard to be better, right? Yeah, and on the iPad now, if you get one with like a decent, so if you get one with the M1 or the M2 processor, yeah. you also have access to apps like Nomad Scott. Yeah, which are uh, amazing. Yeah, very, very good. And Forger as, as well, I think is very good. So you can be doing ZBrush style sculpting mm-hmm. in Nomad. Mm-hmm. And you can do poly modeling and Forger. There's even CAD programs you can get into on there. Which are quite good. I've, uh, yeah. I've tried some, yeah. So there's loads of really great resources to, to get into on an iPad, which don't require you to bring a gaming PC and a Wacom board with yeah. you wherever you go. Yeah. So if you if you want to work for movies or for games and you know 3D is important and you have money to afford a computer, I think the computer will always be a better choice. Yeah. Uh, if... or and, and you don't need to travel too much, I guess. Uh, like a tower is the better price <laughs> yeah. uh, comparison compared to buying a, a, a portable PC. Yeah. Then the iPad, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I, I managed to get a job with the iPad. Yeah. For my first job, I mean, I was in my PC a lot, but all the painting and all the photo bashing and everything 2D was made with the iPad, so. Just absolutely incredible. What? It's incredible. But in, it didn't actually No, it, because the, the, the keyframes I have on my portfolio when I got tired, it took me a day to do. Okay. Which was quite similar to what I would do now, but it's just that I was, I, I trained so much with the iPad that I, was be, I became very proficient with it. Mm. But to clarify, there were 3D underbases you had built in there, which of had course, nothing of course. to do with the yeah, iPad, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So even at that stage, you weren't 100% doing it with the iPad. You were doing paint over and a bit of yeah. photo And also... Yeah. I mean, especially now, if you ask me to do that in the iPad, I'll be like, no, no way. Because yeah. some tools that Photoshop have are way better, but not even close. It's like way, way better. And like something that would probably take me a day on the iPad at a time would probably take me two hours now to do yeah. just because how useful Photoshop tools are. And, you know, like even when you have run the passes and you want to mix them in a specific way, or like, you know, uh, you, you know that, that mixing thing when you double click on the layer and then you can mix it with the values. Blendif. Yeah, Blendif. Yeah. This is, I use that 50 times per day. You, you, wow, that's Maybe not 50 times, <laughs> all the time. I use, that, I use that a lot in my workflow. Okay. And that's on the iPad. So now I'm like, oh, what do I know? Mm. But it's very hard. Totally. Yeah, and you can, you can, I've never used iPad, but can you make actions? I don't even know what uh, it is. You, actions you, you is can have shortcuts and stuff. But can you make your own like actions, which is like a series of shortcuts combined into one action? I'm not sure. I mean, again, it's like, like, like a little code you run, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, uh, I love that function in Photoshop. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I have, I don't have that many, but I have certain things. Like uh, when I cut out photos, I have a function for it that basically, it doesn't cut it out for me, but it brings it quite close. And then I just get to the, and it ends in the point where I adjust it to how I want to cut it. That's and nice. and I can cut things. I can. I would I would probably say I can cut things out faster than anyone in here. <laughs> out of a photo. Why are you going to do that? Pay, no. I can do a cleaner mat very fast. But yeah, Ooh, Dan, that, what do you... A cleaner mat than me and Jules, who actually have done mat paintings. That's very cool. fast. That is he's wrong. Who knows? We should, we should try. And if I do it wrong, at least I can learn from you and get better. No, I'll never tell you how I did it. Because of your because of your overconfidence, you've destroyed yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I love using the iPad now. That I got it because I got, you you got it very recently, right? Very recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was it's good. I mean, I think the thing that I like is number one, the screen is not as intense as the thing you, as one you get on a PC, so it's not quite as harsh on your eyes. Um, and also, yeah, it lets me get away from my desk. A lot of the time I have projects that either I have to do because it's work or projects that I want to do because I'm a passionate creative. Um, I, I, yeah. I wish I could make this, the sound of the sparkles. Like, <laughs> right, it's Woo. quite hard to make. Um, no, so you get sound pack online. No, but with my mouth. Oh, that would be Because I wanted hard, to make yeah. it now. Oh, just edit it in. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think it's really great because it just lets me leave my desk. And my, you know, it, it is something that I, I don't know how many, how often people talk about stuff like this, but as a concept artist, as a professional concept artist, you spend so much of your time sitting at the same desk every day and that's it. You know, that's why I really like going into the office as well because it gives a variety to me. Mm-hmm. And I always think like, at least for me, for, for you guys might disagree, but like, if you don't have variety in your life, then your life just goes by like really quick. You know, like mm-hmm. I like to, I don't particularly like having a pattern. Yeah, do, do, I like do. to keep the world guessing. R- routine? <laughs> routine in English? Yeah, yeah routine. routine. Yeah. yeah. I have a routine um, and everything goes by fast. 
Well, there you go. You need to break it up. But, but yeah, my, it's nice to have the iPad because it breaks up my routine. Yeah. If I have a project where I'm like, oh, I really want to do like a spaceship design tonight, then it's like, okay, I could go sit at the desk where I've already been sitting all day. And it's kind of like almost like a stressful environment. You know, you yeah, have like yeah. bad juju energy around there. <laughs> or I can go down to my living room. I can sit in front of a window. I can watch the sunset. I can sketch on my iPad, have mm. a cup of tea and just relax. Yeah. It's very good for uh, pre-production work. I, I, tend, I really like it for sketching. Yeah. Um, and I, I tend to try and use it at work as much as I can. So do you do, do, you do sketches and I send to clients? For work? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did a few sketches uh, that I sent to clients directly from the iPad. Do you, or um, ideation mostly. Do you guys know any good resources where if someone does get an iPad, like where to learn how Ooh, to use well, it? I, or I, any good artists I that use it? I hate to promote them. But uh, ArtStation has a pretty good one, if I remember correctly, mm. on how to get used yeah. to iPad. Uh, look at Nikolai Lokerston. I I can't pronounce his name, but he's a, a very famous Procreate artist. And he's also, I think, if you buy Procreate, one of his paintings is there by default. Yeah. He's amazing. I think he has some courses or stuff. He, he did a lot of um, talks at industry workshops at the time. Hmm. I remember I, I had an iPad at the time and I was using a pen, but not the Apple Pen. Oh, so right. I would use the iPad before the Apple Pen, and he would he would do these insane paintings with this thing or with his oh. finger, and it, uh, I I chatted a bit with him, and he would like kind of he tell told me a few tricks at the time, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, so I don't know if he does anything linked to teaching, but if he does, I know he's very good at it, so yeah. might be a good person guy? too. Yeah, Nikolai Lokersten. Yeah. L O C K E R T S E N. Yeah, uh, I mean I think. Procreate advertise the shit out of him, so you yeah. probably know him if you know Procreate. But nice. Otherwise, concept the app concept is very very good. It's like an infinite canvas. Yeah, and I've been finding myself to like it a lot recently. It just feels so good to draw on it for some reason. Yeah, not for painting, but for sketching. And then I guess for uh, 3D, what is it that we said? Uh, Nomad. Nomad and Forger. Forger, and there's a, the the CAD one, which is I forgot. I don't know. CAD. Oh. Just type in CAD yeah. on the app store. And I've got a little paper light thing on my iPad, which I like too. Yeah, I have this as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, makes it feel like paper. 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 And uh, yeah, I wish I could spend more time on this iPad. To be fair, uh, I think I think it's just that thing of we all wish we could spend more time, essentially outside of our existing uh, frame of reference. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, you you get so used to working one way, and you get so used to doing the same thing over and over again, um, that it's nice when you can break out of that comfort zone and really just try something different. Totally. Yeah. I mean, to that example as well, I, for example, I have the Wacom Intos mm-hmm. Pro at home and then I have Cintiq at work. And it's oh, just yes, cool to kind of change up between them. And I can see paintings differently as well. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's it's cool to try Line art is different as well on both of them. It's quite fun mm-hmm. to see the difference. Yeah, yeah. totally. Cool. Um, well, I hope that was an enjoyable discussion for everybody. Personally, I was really bored that whole time. Uh, so boring. Yeah. These guys, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, that'll be the end for today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed listening. And if you want more, please feel free to subscribe and ring the notification bell. We release episodes every two weeks. And if you want any more additional information about the podcast or the event, be sure to check out our Instagram linked in the description below. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Take care. See you. Have a good Bye. day. Bye.